Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Earthborn Games podcast. I'm your host, Anders Carlson. I forgot to say that last time. Reminder, <laughs> I'm Anders Carlson. And we've got <laughs> Evan Simonet. Hey, hey, Evan. Hey, how's it going? Here's my, uh, here's my, um, my banter topic for today. Favorite summertime treat. Yeah. Are you asking me? Or... I'm asking you. Yeah. Yeah. I just had a popsicle and we did, and I decided that that's what I'm going to ask you guys. I was I was saying that I prefer those things that we call freezies over here in Minnesota over popsicles because you don't have to worry about them melting, pooling on your hand. Um, it's like but, in the plastic. It's the it's the like yeah. long stick in the plastic tube, yep. and then you get all so the I'm, juice at the end. Juice at the end's the best. Lime, yeah. the lime yeah. juice I like, or cherry. Cherry. Anyway, yeah, I was gonna say really. red, red or blue flavors. <laughs> red those, those are. <laughs> You know what I preferred yeah. was, the, I don't know, I never knew like which brands my mom was buying back then, but when she got the ones that kind of had like an opaque quality to them, you know what I'm saying? The ones with less la- less flavor then? Like, you or know, there's more... ones that are just like pure red, like this muscle character oh, yeah. that I have. And there's <laughs> ones, and then there's ones where it's like, it's got some white in there or something yeah. and it kind of is not as transparent. Hmm. Yeah. And I always felt that way about uh, fruit snacks as well. There's, there's like those, there were the opaque opaque looking ones anyway they would have more know. more flavor i don't yeah. know if i've ever had a creamy one of those little freeze pops in the little plastic thing that would almost freak me out like there was something <laughs> you know comforting about the sterility of knowing it's just sugar water <laughs> <laughs> not dairy that would yeah i don't i don't know bad. if there was i don't know if there was dairy but that would make sense right anyway <laughs> you got paint <laughs> uh just a little bit of plastic that melted into the, mm-hmm. into the oh, juice. Harmless oh, so was, plastic filler. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here I thought she was buying like the good ones, but it was actually the, the cheap <laughs> ones probably. <laughs> um, so we got freeze pops. I I loved the popsicle I just ate from this brand called Outshine. It looked good. Uh, it was. Those have some opacity to them. I don't know if that's the right way to say that. But. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Andrew Fisher, what is your what is your favorite summertime snack? Well, I'm cold, go cold for, snack, cold snack. Uh, on the spectrum of opacity, I'm going fully opaque. Uh, <laughs> with, I, I think my my go to would have to be like uh, mint chocolate chip ice cream cone. Mm-hmm. Like I I love mint chocolate chip ice cream. I I was actually just saying to Sam the other day when I was I was eating some and I was like, you know, if I was like on death row and I had to have my last meal, I think the last thing I would eat on earth would be mint chocolate chip ice cream. Wow. Wow. So any, yeah. any particular brand or place? Uh, like no, best? I mean like that's, that's part of the reason, you know, cause like you have no idea if you're on death row, you don't know what like they're going to bring you. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's, they're, you're probably getting like the store brand, like Kemp's tub. Right. And, but like mint chocolate chip is, <laughs> it's always good. Like yeah, that I, big, that big gallon tub is, very good. Mm-hmm. The the worst mint chocolate chip ice cream is still like way better than the best of many other categories of food in my in my book. <laughs> do you prefer so, it, that's my answer? Do you prefer <laughs> it with the green food coloring or without? No, mm. either way. Either way. There, there's something special though about the like you know nuclear green. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, it adds to it. Then those one gallon buckets have so many uses afterwards. You know. True. Yeah, you'll be using that thing for two decades. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Mint chocolate chip is a divisive flavor. I feel like you either love it or hate it. You think I it tastes it. like 
toothpaste. We all we all love it. Yeah. Evan. Yep. I, I, Evan I can see yay. the I could see the I could see the toothpaste comparison though, like for some people. Yeah. I also really like root beer and I know people don't like root beer, so I may yeah. not be a good source. I got I got some root beer last night at the Barbie movie and uh the person I was with hates root beer. Really? Apropos comment, Evan. Um <laughs> <laughs> Andrew. Yes. Last but not least, welcome to the show and what is your favorite summertime treat? I think my favorite summertime treat is probably beer with a lime. <laughs> oh yeah. It's like a lager. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Like a hot day like today like if it wasn't for the fact that our skies are choked with smoke and have been pretty consistently this summer, yeah. uh this would be a perfect day to sit out and drink a nice right. cold beer. I changed mine to beer too. That's, I didn't even think about that. I mean, I was I was going for like childhood nostalgia. So, Andrew, so when Andrew. you were when you're a young boy, that's, mama, that's right. Too hot. No, I mean, like cerveza. Yeah, everything's good when you're a kid. I, I don't remember having a a, a uh, favorite summertime treat. Anything that's frozen and sugary. I would probably put like an ice cream sandwich at the top of that mm, list. Mm, just like a, as yeah, far as like, my frozen so, delights it, go. So yeah. sticky on the hands. It gets hand. on your fingers though. Oh, yeah. it's so good. It's, it's so good. Now you have it, you have the wrapper around it the whole time. Oh, you're and then smart. at the end, like the wrapper's like filled with goo and you just try to <laughs> squirt it out. In. <laughs> so good. And I could talk about snack foods forever. <laughs> Follow up question real quick. Ice cream truck. What would you get? When the ice cream man came around, these days or when mm. I was a kid, either one. Uh, I'd probably get as a kid. I would get like the drumsticks, you know, the chocolate coated, yeah, with, with nuts. nuts, frozen cone. Those are good. Uh, as an adult, uh, probably a popsicle, like a like a lime popsicle, something like that. Nice. Are, are there still ice cream trucks? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. There's oh, one really? that goes through my neighborhood like every every day this week, actually. Yeah. People, there's one that goes through our neighborhood too, like up by the because uh, we have a, a little lake with a like a little beach, public beach on it. So there's almost always an ice cream truck there. But uh, two two summers ago, uh, Sam started to go and like run to the truck pretty regularly. So yeah. then, uh, as a response, the ice cream truck started driving by our house. <laughs> nice, <laughs> like your house once Andrew. a day. Did your ice cream truck, does it play the, the eerie ice cream yes. truck music? It does. Mm -hmm. yeah. well, how do you describe that music? I'm, I couldn't describe it Distinct. Well, but... um, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's like chip like tune a, uh, or something. Like if, you, if yeah. you were to play something from like a jack-in-the-box. Yeah. yeah. Like the cranking the jack-in-the-box yep. sound. That, it probably that. has roots with that where it was like the little metal prongs that yeah. are like plinking on like a cylindrical yep. thing. Music box. Um, I always got something that was like a cone with like a gumball in the bottom. It was like mm. a screwball or something like that. So you get the little gumball treat at the end. All right. <laughs> Evan Fisher. Quick, make so it anything quick. that was chocolate, I guess. Chocolate. Yeah. I, I, my answer is actually the same as Andrew's. I, I always went for the drumsticks because like the, the various popsicles were always just very low tier, right? <laughs> they're, yeah. Like they're not good or flavorful. So the drumstick, at least you're still getting like ice cream out of the deal. That's right. Ooh, the strawberry shortcake bar. She has mm -hmm. Oh, that, that thing is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. you're right. <laughs> bomb pop. Yeah. Bomb pop is pretty good. Mm -hmm. I was always partial to the sour bomb pops myself. Mm, never had. 
Hey guys, hey everyone. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, go go ahead, Andres. I was just gonna invite our listeners to share their favorite uh, cold <laughs> treat in the comments. And uh, let's move on with the the real deal stuff. We got some some questions as usual, and uh, so let's just get right into those. And oh no 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 no, we got some work stories first. Let's start with Andrew Fisher. You want to tell us about what you've been up to? Yeah, it's been a busy couple weeks. I guess we recorded late last time, so it's been a busy week and a half. But um, we've been campaign, the uh, expansion campaign writing is underway. Uh, Andrew and I have been doing a bunch of testing, got a lot of the missions into a good place. And so Sam and Andrew have been doing a bunch of the writing to kind of get everything um, uh, actual final text blocked in for all of it. Uh, additionally, I've been working on our first kind of round of frequently asked questions and like errata and reprint changes. Now that the game is starting to get into people's hands, um, I've been working with our partners to kind of figure out some of those places we want to tweak and fix the game or just uh, clarifications we want to issue to everybody. And so for anybody who has questions as they're playing through, you can head over to our fan Discord and ask in the rules question channel there. You can email us at uh, from our website. Uh, we have a on the contact us page. There's a little drop down specifically for rules questions. Those will get sent right to me. And then uh, I'm also ch checking in on our BGG page on occasion. So if you post in the forums there, I can get to that answer too. Though I I'd say email is probably the the easiest and fastest way to get a hold of me of those options. Anyway, we use all of those different clarifications and questions you ask to help inform how we do the frequently asked questions. So don't hesitate to reach out because it's super helpful. So been doing that stuff. Uh, Corey has been working to kind of figure out how we're going to take that content as long as our as well as our other web content and get it up on our website. We're trying to with some of our more robust offerings. We'd like to have. Uh, we're trying to kind of figure out the best way to host and organize them, the best backend to use for kind of organizing all that web content. So there's been a little bit of like iteration, uh, <laughs> see wasted work as we change our plans. Uh, but uh, I, I think we're, 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 we're honing in on a pretty good solution that we're working, working towards right now. So uh, the FAQ and errata, as well as a bunch of other resources will be becoming available as the game gets into people's hands here. Um, yeah. In... I would say pretty much as soon as we're, if we're happy with how it looks, um, we'll get it up. Uh, I think what we're evaluating right now is we're evaluating a different, uh, what is it? Would you call it like a backend? What the tool set? Oh, that we're I'm, I'm at? sure all the various software or web development people listening are like, <laughs> it's this term and plug I'm in. I don't know what but, it is, yeah. uh, but uh, it's something that we became aware of after Fisher had already done a bunch of work uh, with our online rules stuff. So um, I think what we're evaluating is how quickly we can shift over to this other uh, way of presenting things. And if that's fast, then we'll just do all that work and get it up. If it's not, then we'll probably do something that's maybe just like a blog post or something uh, in the short term for FAQ and and the more more critical um, rules clarifications. Uh, but yeah, that'll be coming. Either one of those will be coming very very soon. 
Yeah, definitely. Like Andrew said, we already did a bunch of the work. We were just doing it on kind of like a structure built into our current website. And we're looking at options that use kind of like some wiki-like structures to potentially enable better searching and organization. Uh, it's just a question of if it's actually going to do everything we need it to do, if we can kind of make it look like we want it to look and present all the information we want, to, want it to present. So yeah. uh, Corey's hard at work getting that figured out. Um, <laughs> and so we'll be kind of rolling out various web materials as we have the ability to do so um, in, in the coming month or two as people get games in their hands. But yeah, so that's what I've cool. been up to. Uh, nice. And uh, this week we've got uh, we're, we're getting visited by Frosted Games. That's right. That's right. And th Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we'll be spending those days with Ben and Rosa from from Frosted Games. It's just that'll be fun playing some stuff. We're gonna play Twilight Imperium on Saturday. <laughs> so that'll be cool. Cool. Yeah. Saturday, really. Saturday and Sunday, possibly. <laughs> no, just, we, just, no, just no it's gonna be fine. We're gonna get through it. <laughs> that's right. You know, we're 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 gonna take this great partnership we have with Frosted Game and ruin it over board game diplomacy. <laughs> yeah. You could you could always try Game of Thrones too. You know, that would probably go over just as well. Right. <laughs> or just play diplomacy and then everyone would hate each other. Oh yeah, that's yeah. efficient making making everybody hate each other efficiently. Yeah. Where are they coming from? But yeah, that's from? what that's what I'm up to. Where are they coming from? Uh, Germany. Germany. Germany, right? Wow, that'll be fun. Cool, thanks, Fisher. Um, I just wanted to uh, add. I listened to the uh, "Shut Up and Sit Down" little preview of the game. That was super cool. It he was. Yeah. Love, he seems to be super into it already. Yeah, for, for people who aren't aware, I think the Discord was already talking about it, so most of you all probably already know. But "Shut Up and Sit Down" chat chatted about Rangers on last week's. Uh, episode of their I think podcast two, two I episodes ago i think yeah. two episodes yeah, yeah. The, one or two episodes ago based on when when this comes out uh, oh, uh of their podcast <laughs> they they'd kind of chatted about earthborn rangers matt lease started and, and played the first couple days and uh i i was it was awesome to hear him talking about it he seemed excited it was yeah cool. yeah i i was really impressed too by how much he retained from yeah. our conversation at UK Games Expo and from you know our podcast conversation about the sustainability side of it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he got most of it right. He got most of the right. There, right. there are parts cool. of it. Yeah, there's parts where it was like, oh, not quite. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it was cool. He, he was that, that was really cool to hear him talk about it. Um, uh, yeah, and and the importance of that. It's it's cool to have the game bring up those conversations. Yeah. Do do we smell a video review for Earthborn? I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so. I, I I could sense it. I think he's super interested. That's cool. In the game, yeah, we've been getting some reviews on Board Game Geek. We got a, some oh my really, god, really nice ones. That's another thing I would love to talk about on here because I looked through those. <laughs> I looked through those recently, and it's kind of a wild place <laughs> yeah. of pe people like trying to balance out, like giving it like zero, trying to balance out people giving it a ten. <laughs> without yeah, playing so the game like that kind of stuff i had no idea yeah i don't i don't know how they handle that stuff over there or if they even bother i think they just assume that eventually it'll all work out yeah but yeah when before games are released 
it's pretty typical, especially for Kickstarter games, for a bunch of people to go on and just give it tens before they played it. So then people are like, well, I got to go in there and give it a bunch of ones then. So <laughs> yeah. And and then you get people posting more tens saying, posting 10 to balance out the ones. Yeah. And like, it's this weird game of like, you've got to keep this game in the seven to eight range because that's where like all, almost all games rest, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we are on the hotness today, which is pretty exciting. Um, on Board Game Geek? Yeah. Yeah. We are at number 18. Um, I haven't checked it. That's pretty cool. Since, but the yeah, hype, pretty cool. The hype has begun. It has. <laughs> uh, I thought of a question while I was listening to the, that podcast, and I want to ask it during our listener question. So remind me if I forget. All right, I'll try. Okay, let's move on with more work stories. Evan, Evan, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, you know, it's just the usual. It's doing art, but um, we I am wrapping up all the final art briefs for commissions for these expansions. So it feels pretty monumental that the majority of the art is complete or in progress. Um, and I'm extra excited because hopefully by next week, I'll have a little bit more time on my plate to contribute my own art to the game. Um, cause with the core set, I felt like I was able to make contribute a lot of, of my own work to the game. And, um, I just haven't really had the time to do that this time around. So, um, there's thankfully there's a bunch of pieces for me to work on. So I'm looking forward to that. And, it always uh, provides a cool opportunity for like me and Andrew and Joe to kind of synergize with concepts and stuff. And like Joe, just this morning at our during our visual design meeting, posted these really cool sketches that I'll be working from. Um, and I just I love that so much about about my job here is interpreting his work and making it a finished product, and interpreting Andrew's work and being able to see like everyone's kind of unique perspective in these, in these pieces when, that we, that we uh, work on together. So looking forward to that. Um, mm -hmm. I made some progress on the map, <laughs> a little bit of progress, but I will, uh, I'm also excited to have my plate clear to um, work on that more. So. Yeah. And so, revising yeah. the cover also. And the cover. Yeah. Revising the cover. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Did you get last week? We talked without you about the uh, the underground map. Did you guys come to a solution on that? Yeah. So I I don't I so I didn't listen to that whole episode. I don't recall what you guys talked about um, specifically, but I did have a variation of the map before that episode. I think. Yeah, the top down and, one. Yeah, and it's I'm gonna try a different take on it that I think is gonna be more enjoyable. I just didn't immediately try it at first because i i didn't think it was going to translate well but after talking with andrew about it um i'm going to try a different take and see how that goes so cool yeah <laughs> all right sweet thanks evan and yeah. then uh andrew your hi turn. hi your turn <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh as has become my custom i will yes. give a fulfillment update uh, I don't think I've changed my bullet point in the show notes for the past <laughs> like three or four episodes. It's I'm sure. Insane. I'm sure a lot of people are tuning in for this 
very weak <laughs> moment. We even we talked like a year ago, Andrew, where you were like, I want to be doing the creative work. I don't want to just become the business guy. But <laughs> the film and update uh, has been your Yeah. You know, well, I did yeah. do some sketches this weekend and that was really fun. Uh those those are sick. Yeah. Thanks. Those are really cool. Yeah, I was pretty inspired. Um so uh, you know, whenever those whenever those moments come, you gotta yeah. you gotta do it. Uh yeah. And then we we met about them a little bit this morning, so I'm gonna take another stab at another one of them after Joe gave me some really good feedback. Um, but yeah, fulfillment is so slow. You know, I was thinking about like how I would talk about this today, uh, this morning. And I uh, go back in my mind to the many times at FFG, I would walk past the production offices or like where the fulfillment people are and just the looks on their faces where they look so bedraggled and like beaten down and uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, just miserable yeah. because trying to coordinate production and, and fulfillment of things is uh, tiring and thankless work. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, man, it sucks. I got to say, I've I'm, I'm mm. pretty, been pretty frustrated by this experience. Um mm. The past couple of weeks, uh, so we we sent out an update. Oh man, two weeks ago now, we were like, "Hey, you know, fulfillment's going to begin next week," which was last week. And then throughout that entire week, I kept waiting to hear word that the uh, shipment had left the factory because we had gotten that all sewn up. Um, it'll be two two weeks prior by the time this is released and everything was ready to go we had all the quantities everything was sewn up that took a long time just to like reconcile where all the copies of everything went we got it all straightened out uh there was not a single copy of anything unaccounted for um that was a a level of detail that was probably not required but we got there um that that took a long time i think a few days longer than I, i would have liked uh but then this this past week when I expected uh, fulfillment to begin, like each day, like, nope, it hadn't gone out yet. It hasn't gone out. It hasn't gone out. It hasn't gone out. Uh, and I kept thinking like, oh, yeah, this will be the day it goes out. And then we'll send, up a, send an update saying, hey, it's out. And then everyone will be excited. Uh, but then we got to Friday and uh, it still hadn't gone out. So we had to post another update saying, yeah, sorry, it's, <laughs> it's just taking longer to process and pack mm-hmm. at the factory than we were hoping. Um, but I did get word that it did actually leave Ludafact today. So if everything works out, yeah. fulfillment could begin as soon as tomorrow because it doesn't have to go very far. It's like it's it stays in the country. So nice. Um, so yeah. So hopefully by the time this podcast posts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will also have an update either this weekend or, you know, prior, like whenever it happens, as soon as those first packages go out, we will, we'll, we will say, hooray, it has actually begun, <laughs> but it looks like it's finally happening. So that's exciting. That's exciting. amazing. Yes. But it, man, it's, it's a lot of me staring at my, in, in my inbox, hoping for information mm. and then sending little chat messages asking, Hey, update. What's up? Um, mm-hmm. and then mostly getting bad news, uh, but I got decent news today. So, so this best. week, <laughs> hopefully people in Germany in particular will start to get their games. Wow. Very cool. 
Yeah. But I think the thing that is helped me carry help help me get through it is the fact that the people who are playing the game who do have it seem to be really liking it. So that's <laughs> awesome. That is feels that, really that, good. Is that people in Italy? Well, there's some people in Germany because Frosted Games sent out theirs already. Okay. So Italians um, and Germans and Italians it. and Germans. Yep. Uh, so it's um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, we've gotten started getting some reviews coming in and those have been really positive. So that's been really great just to hear that uh, people are enjoying the game. And, you know, especially like mm-hmm. Christian, you're talking about FAQ and errata. Like you and I have been focused so much on like clarifying things and like tweaking stuff to make it more clear. Uh, so if people run into problems, they can come to the website and find a solution. And when you're in that space, like it's like all you can think about are all the things that you that you messed up, uh, and you forget that you know ninety five plus percent of the game is pretty awesome. So uh, <laughs> I don't. That's not an official percentage. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> but it's primarily a really good thing. So uh, it's it's good to be reminded by the people who are playing it, enjoying it. That's like. That's that's the uh, predominant um, takeaway is like this is cool as opposed to oh there's all these problems so mm-hmm. which is you know we're, what we're living in when we're trying to make it as perfect as possible right I mean honestly I think you pretty well summed up actually one of the biggest challenges I've seen with professional game design right there which is like honestly if I had to you know there's all sorts of different like challenges learning skills and stuff but. If, if I had to say probably the biggest thing that hits people who come in to do this profession, it is how much time you spend focusing on those kind of negative elements yeah, and the impact it can have on your psychology, right? Like you get that, that those brief moments where you're doing the brainstorming early work and you're just like, it's just dreams and excitement, right? But like for every hour you spend doing that, you're going to spend hours and hours and hours and hours testing it seeing it not work and getting people criticizing it in different ways and trying to, to change it and then QAing it and looking at every fiddly little detail and then adjudicating these things afterwards. And so like a lot of that process is just hearing negativity about your work the entire <laughs> time and like kind of getting past that and finding ways to kind of see the positive impact it has and like, making sure that that informs your personal psychology as you do this job is like, is definitely one of the more invisible parts of this career from the out, I think from the outside, but is definitely one of the biggest challenges to people coming into it. So yeah, 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 I I feel that. I feel that deeply. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But that's what I, that's what I've got. So yeah. So hopefully uh, that'll be all done. We'll have, um, uh, Fisher alluded to this a little bit, but we'll have uh, some news coming about um, all of our post-release support and all the things we'll be doing for the game um, to continue to support it. Not just FAQs and uh, answering rules questions, but other cool and exciting things that will add even more value to your copy of the game. Oh, heck yeah. All right, guys. Thank you for your updates, as usual. Uh, let's let's jump into listener questions. First one's from me, as I mentioned. Yeah, this is a separate segment, host questions. <laughs> host question. <laughs> um, I'll try to frame it as if it's a listener question. 
Um, sorry, uh, forgive me if this has already been addressed, but <laughs> I've wondered, I've often <laughs> wondered just how far in the future is Earthborn set? You may not want to, uh, you may not want to share this information, or maybe it's already out there. Is it, it is a thousand years into the future? Oh, it is. Okay. Uh-huh. Cool. Uh, what is the answer? Uh, the year is four thousand four hundred and forty-one. Where is that? Where is that in the in the book? Uh, I don't think it's explicitly said. We have some hmm. quotes that uh, some attributions of text that say the year. <laughs> uh, Just do it. Control F. You have to kind of infer it. Control F. Four 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 one. What is it worth in real life? <laughs> yeah. I, do you ever, do you ever look seen, at a photograph and like want to do this? I've seen people do that. I haven't done it yet, <laughs> but I have been drawing like actual, like traditional media drawing, and then thought Command Z when I see yeah, something up. Totally, I hate doing I, that. There, there are a couple dates on this opening page, Andrew, but yes. like they don't explicitly say exactly what date. year it is. Yeah, yeah what are the, the dates about? In the world book, it does say the actual the year. Okay, because it has a timeline that brings you up to the present. Is that something you you like knew right like right off the bat? You're like, let's make it this year. Kind of, yeah. Are those numbers significant? I just thought it sounded cool. Four 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 one was that right? Uh huh. I like yeah. that. I like that. It's way it's way off. <laughs> it's like double. It's like double today's year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty far like i wanted yeah. it to be far enough where it was no, it's not quite. Uh, kind of like how we where i wanted people in the future to have like a similar idea of what we're dealing with in our daily lives and like the history like our current events mm-hmm. like i i didn't want the people of the future to have much more awareness about like what's going on today uh, mm-hmm. That we have of like what was going on twenty five hundred years ago in some yeah, like Rome life. or something. Yeah. yeah, we have we we have we have very broad strokes about what was happening, and I wanted that kind of same feeling. Oh, so they don't they don't quite know the details of our. Oh, I mean, they know history. as much as we know about ancient Rome. Yeah, you know? right. Maybe maybe yeah, less, you know some though. stuff. Yeah, you that's know a some cool. Stuff. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, it depends. Like it, it. I think it, it depends on what you're doing. Like Fisher, you have to say like there, there are some people in the world who care a lot about the history. And they know a lot, but then most people are just going about their daily lives. Right. They don't. They're not giving much thought to what was happening. See, so, I think Solaro Solaro Mako would be able to tell you some stuff, but yeah. Ale isn't going to give a shit. Yeah, exactly. One hundred percent. We have we have movies and TV shows that help keep us informed about Rome, like Three Hundred uh-huh. and Rome. Uh-huh. So I know probably more about Rome right. than they know about us. <laughs> are those telling you accurate things, though, Evan? Uh, yeah, I think they are. I think they are. Uh, historical right. historical drama, Three Hundred. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, very interesting. Very interesting. I, I have a lot of follow up questions to that, but. That'll take all day. Um, Quacks. Quacks is in is in the house. <laughs> Quacks wants to know, what idea did you think was great, but ended up completely upending the Earthborn Rangers rule system? But ended up completely up. Okay, got it. That's the question. I have an idea, but I'll okay. be sure to hear your No, no, you, you go ahead, Andrew. Mine was the, uh, we had 
a version of the game where uh, it was the one that I I showed you when I was like, take a look at this. It's something's something's wrong with our resource system. We need to fix our resource system. I tried to do so many different things with the resource system. It was just bugging me. Uh, and what we, I think, ultimately determined what was the biggest culprit to the problem of, uh, so the problem we'd have is like, the game just lasted forever. It took forever to play, like in a round would never end. Uh, Not just a day, like one round of one the game. round, oh, yeah. I see. And you could play it for like four hours like this. It was back when it was a little bit more scenario based. It was just too long. Um, which seems, the solution seems so obvious now, but uh, at the time it wasn't necessarily clear to me because we really liked these effects where uh, you'd have the, uh, I think what eventually became the personality cards. What they would do is when you completed a test of one kind, like say you did an awareness test, then you could play these moment cards that would say, when you complete an awareness test, gain one spirit or whatever. Uh, so you'd get another energy. So you had all these ways of gaining energy throughout the mm. the round where it just, that kind of became the game was trying to make your, your round last as long as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. But it was really boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and one yeah. of the things we did there was we came in and looked at like, what are, what's pushing us towards the end of the game, right? Like round to round, that's energy. Uh, day-to-day, that's cards out of your deck, right? Primarily fatigue, but other things can pull cards out of your deck. And then in how we cost what effects you can get in the game, those are very, like, we include them on occasion, but they're all flagged so that we try to cost them aggressively enough that they're never, they never could possibly reach an efficiency threshold where you're just, like, you're not pushing the timer anymore. Uh Playing with them, you know, there's some schools of design where, like, oh, then you just don't touch those, right? You always push towards the end. We played with them a little, and I do think there's probably some infinite day decks that will emerge, especially in the solo (laughs) scene, that, like, break our timers, especially on the deck and fatigue side in that regard. But the game system really pushes things towards the end game now, which helps. Um, I was going to answer the question. I was thinking about it from like mechanics that would have upended the system and so mm. that we didn't implement. Ah. Um, and I, I mean, there's a ton of those. There's so many cool ideas we had that like in a different version of Earthborn Rangers are like the definitive idea in that game. Right. Uh, but like, you know, you, you have to make hard decisions about what fits into your system. One that we talked about and keep talking about that hopefully it isn't, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it. It's fine. Yeah. Is um, the idea of like that idea of sustainability of an environment, except baked into the game mechanics. Uh, Sam and I have been playing Paleo, which does this uh, to a little degree in, in like how it manages the cards in that game. But, uh, you know, we, we once talked about this idea of like, what if any card you cleared due to harm, harm, was just removed from the game forever, right? Like, right. So, like, anytime you kill a creature, that creature is gone forever. Um, and, like, I think there's a version of Earthborn Rangers in some Splinter universe where that is the core conceit and the whole card pool is designed around this concept of managing the valley and the environment in kind of, like, this 
in this way. And, you know, maybe we'll do something with that idea at one point, but it didn't, it like just clashed and conflicted to, to your complete up, completely upending part of your question, how we were handling our branching narrative and just like, we needed to get a ton of reusability out of a fairly, I mean, it's a big card count, but like a relatively small card count for everything it's doing. Mm -hmm. We just didn't have room to also do this like whole sustainability system. So that was an idea that I think both Andrew and I really liked that yeah. like just didn't quite fit at the time and place we tried to introduce it. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had thought of like having a uh, discard pile and a dead pile uh, kind of like game of Thrones uh, uh, card game mm -hmm. where like if something cleared from harm, you'd have the opportunity to like finish it off or to, to put it to this card pile, just kind of chase it off. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you'd get resources or something from it or, you know, uh, but yeah, it's, like Fisher's saying, that's a different game. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Cool. Cool question, Mr. Quacks. Um, uh, the next question is from Darren. In which, which, in which mall store would a prodigy of the floating tower look for a new conduit? Answer. Oh, wait a minute. What am I looking at here? It's a joke. <laughs> He's, telling, he's, he's telling you a he's telling you a joke. Yeah, someone else, like a joke. Someone else tell it because I don't understand this joke. <laughs> in, in what mall store would a prodigy of the floating tower look for a new conduit? I don't know. In what mall store would a prodigy of the floating tower look for a new conduit? <laughs> the shaper image. Oh. <laughs> well done. I get it now. I get it now. I'm not stupid. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Thanks, Darren. And then Darren well, asks, and then he, there's a follow-up to that. Yeah. You are all dads or soon to be. That's right. What's the best dad joke you can come up with in or around the Earthborn universe? <laughs> Evan, Man. you got any? I wrote got I wrote down several. Okay. Oh really? So, oh yeah. Do it. I, I read this right before lunchtime and I had spent the my time thinking about it. So I'll just go right down the list if no one else has any. Yeah, go uh, for it. I, I, I I've, hear got, I've got some. Let, okay. Let's 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 trade off, Evan. Okay, all right. My, mine vary in quality or just <laughs> how stolen they are from other dad jokes with Earthborn slapped on. You want to go first? No, no, you, you start. Okay, I, I wrote them down here, so I didn't. Okay, what did the conciliator find in the con artist bag outside of Spire? What? Carbon-forged documents. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> I don't get... <laughs> what what, what, what like what's the traveling it. musician's favorite animal in the valley? What? A lute trinol. No! Oh, nice. Oh, nice. okay. Oh my god, it. these are great. <laughs> these are great. Um, what what is the drowning ranger's favorite path card to encounter? what anything within reach these are good thank you that's really a bro my, mine aren't quite as bespoke earthborn from from, <laughs> from there on but uh, uh wh what did the new ranger recruit uh do after being kicked out for having no sense of direction what he packed up his things and right and <laughs> he packed up his things in what? And write. And write? And write? 
Oh, I see. Because he got kicked out yeah. for having no sense of direction. I got it. <laughs> he, yeah. Okay, I got it. it took oh, me wow, yeah, that's yeah. a thinker. That's a thinker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that though. I like it. <laughs> All right, here's here's a really uh, really stupid one to follow up the this the highbrow one that Andrew shared. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who is Pakoto the Ferret's favorite actor? Mark Singer. <laughs> uh, Vin, Vin Weasel. <laughs> That's my favorite one so far. Why? Why can't you play hide and seek with Atrox Mountain? Why? It always peaks. <laughs> I see. You're just throwing in like the name of the. Yeah. Yeah. So, so those are just dad jokes with like they're not as Evans are better. I think. Yours are great. I like them. I like them yeah. all. Evan, do you have any more? I have two more. Let's go. Okay. Uh, what is Elder Murtoch's favorite supplement? What? Centrum Silverfin. Because <laughs> it's Centrum Silver? <laughs> that was really, that was a bad one. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one is, this is, I don't know. I don't know if this is super good. Why do Rangers dislike the army? Why? The military fatigues. <laughs> or maybe i i don't know maybe the fatigue like fatiguing in the game right, i right. i always yeah. hated it but sometimes it can be good so this is great this is a new <laughs> segment good. i'm gonna think of some That's fantastic. i want in on the party i'm gonna top you evan <laughs> all right <laughs> I, I vote for vin weasel <laughs> i liked anything uh, within reach that was pretty good thank you thank you um that was awesome. Thank you for inspiring that segment, Darren. Um, let's see. Our next question comes from EISB. I'm curious what would be different about the game if you had only just met the Kickstarter goal instead of more than quadrupling it. With hindsight, would it have been enough money to achieve the vision for the game or would key aspects of the gameplay story scope and sustainable vision need to be sacrificed to ship it on budget. In short, what would Earthborn on a 100k budget look like? That's, That's a really good question. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would. It would be. It would be a lot smaller. <laughs> In fact, I think Earthborn, if I went back, might be a little smaller than it currently is. Uh, we we scope pretty big, and the no. amount, <laughs> the amount of time we, uh, it takes to kind of develop right make all the art for all of that content is pretty huge. And like, frankly, we just wouldn't have had the money to see all that development through. So I think that it would have been a more streamlined game. I think um, we still would have, you know, like there's a lot about the game that was defined at the time we did the Kickstarter. So like, you know, it wouldn't be a wholly different game, but I think it probably would have been streamlined uh, and, potentially like with kind of other future content to come instead of like how exactly the scope we put into it. But I don't know how you feel, Andrew. Yeah. I don't think it would have been streamlined, honestly. Um, Cause I think uh, making the game, what it turned out to be is, you know, what, what, what the vision ended up being. Like, I, I don't know if there's a way to streamline it that would have satisfied me, but the, the hundred thousand dollar goal was based on the open world, version of the game but i did that calculation based on 
the cost of art, the cost of writing, and ongoing development, um, and uh, keeping Evan employed. <laughs> so uh, all of those things, um, I think what would have happened is that I would have had to keep my job at Chip Theory um, or find some other work, and I wouldn't have been able to spend as much time on the game. Um, and I think it just probably would have just not gotten as much uh, focused attention over a short period of time. We'd probably still be working on it today, honestly, if we only made $100,000 on it. Um, it'd probably still just be trundling along, mm-hmm. trying to get done. Um, but yeah, the uh, I, I've, been, I've given this like this this whole thing a fair amount of thought, giving you how long it's taken. It's been a couple of, oh, two years now, um, almost to the day since we launched the uh, Kickstarter campaign, and I think you know, even with quadrupling it, like if we hadn't also gotten, you know, a bunch of foreign partners on in, in involved, uh, and you know, they purchased the game from us, um, that $400,000 really doesn't go very far. Uh, at least it doesn't really allow you to do it full time. Like you still need to do have some other source of income, I think, in order to really dedicate the resources that the project needs. So like in hindsight, I would say, <laughs> Like the real goal is probably like should have been like five hundred thousand dollars, but we wouldn't have gotten that on Kickstarter. <laughs> but it's more accurate, I think, to like what the game is actually the the level of investment we've actually put into the game. To your point about how far that money goes, I feel like that's something I often see on people's interpretations of Kickstarter campaigns. Is they look at like, oh, this game made a million dollars they're millionaires now, right? Like yeah. maybe they don't say that explicitly, but that's kind of the attitude. Like it made a million dollars. They're rich. Like, you know, where's our game, right? I, I see that kind of sentiment thrown around, but like a million dollars doesn't actually go as far as it sounds like it goes, right? After it depends, Kickstarter t- it Kickstarter depends on the game. Cut. Yeah. It, but like, I mean, you know, uh, especially physical games, you have to yeah. print them. You have to ship them. You have to fulfill them. Kickstarter takes its cut. Payment methods take their cut. You have to employ everybody. You have to buy all the assets to create the thing. At the end of the day, like that money evaporates like yeah. way faster than <laughs> like when you know like it, it's easy to think. Oh yeah, I understand they have to make the thing. What's that like? You know, a few couple hundred thousand dollars. But like that money just goes away a yeah. lot fast. So like when you look at those big Kickstarter like halls, uh, they aren't actually, you know, that's just revenue. That's not profit. And so like that, that money is going places. Yeah, totally. I, I, I do think that it does depend on the scope of the, of the project. Cause you, you could look at like exploding kittens, for example, that's pretty easy. That's pretty easy to make. Uh, that's true. <laughs> they, they don't have how many hundreds of pieces of art. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they do have lots of pieces of art, but they're all really easy to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that this, the, the scope of the game, um, and I think it's really become, um, evident to me, you know, now that we're started working on the, uh, the fiction for the campaign guide for the expansion, you know, just how 
much that work that we did in the year and a half prior on all the world building, all the sketches, like all the stuff that we had there made everything a lot easier. And I feel like some, some stuff about working on the expansion has been a little bit more challenging because uh, we are kind of going into some areas we haven't necessarily explored. So we're kind of creating new stuff in a way that we weren't necessarily doing in the core set. Um, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, it, a hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> uh, it would have been, it would have been tough, but it would, that was literally what was needed, which is where I came up with that number. But yeah, who knows? Cool. I'm glad we don't have to know. Right. Right. <laughs> Cool. Good question. Um, I'm going to ask the next question and then run to the bathroom, you guys. Um, from Maka. So the U.S. backers should plan on traveling to Minnesota in September for a release party? <laughs> Proceed. Uh, you could. Uh, we're planning on doing a, uh, uh, a local pickup event, uh, probably in September, um, for the maybe 10 people who signed up for a local pickup. Uh, most of whom I know personally. <laughs> and anybody else who wants to stop by. Yeah. Anyone else can stop by. Absolutely. 100%. Um, I've been talking to a buddy of mine uh, who is the manager at a local game store uh, about doing the event at his place. So I think if that still happens, that's going to be where we do it. But uh, before we pick a date, I want the games to clear customs <laughs> and then we can actually like plan a date, but sometime in September makes sense. Um, but stay tuned and we'll let people know um, with as much advance notice as we can when, when and where it'll actually happen. It's mostly probably going to be us sitting at a game store talking to people. <laughs> yes. So I don't heavily encourage you to travel a long distance to come talk to us unless, <laughs> unless you really want to, in which case, you know, come on by. Yeah, but. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> love to see you. I, we're, well, all we're going to be doing is, yeah, hanging out, uh, giving people their games, probably selling a couple copies. Uh, we'll probably have some on hand. Um, but yeah, stay tuned. Cool. What did you guys say? Uh, <laughs> you just want to repeat all of that? Um, we okay. said maybe. Okay. <laughs> Andres is going to be there. I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there. I don't have to travel far, though. Um, all right. Ben Jespers. Would love to hear a little more, spoiler-free, of course, of what goes into the playtesting process. After a session in which... Should I... Do you want to answer it? Yeah, yeah just read it all. Okay. After a session in which testers were beaten, would they replay the same session again without changes to see if outcome is different? I've wondered that myself. I understand the small changes Fisher talked about changing a test difficulty slash thresholds, but what would have, have to happen to make a dramatic change or even consider a whole rework? Um, yeah, so the testing process is... It can be messy, um, especially on a big, sprawling game like this. A lot of things can trigger a rework. I would say that generally, uh, over the testing process, you kind of look uh, to kind of tackle these questions in a random order here. As far as like what kind of changes you're looking at anytime you test the game, you start out looking for really broad scope things. Like, is the, does this idea work? Is this fun? You know, like... Uh, 
is this kind of what we're looking for? Does this evoke like the story we're trying to tell? And then as you get farther along, you start thinking like, oh, you know, like does this little mechanic, how would we word this? You know, like um, maybe we switch out these two effects, pull this lever, turn this dial, et cetera. And then finally, near the end of playtesting, these big, any big fundamental changes you might've made early could have huge ripples. And so then you have to be a lot more conservative and you're looking at like just tweaking numbers, like, oh, maybe we make this a little easier up and down. And like, so it kind of, it goes from broad changes to specific changes throughout. That being said, broad changes get made near the end uh, very often if something necessitates. But ideally at that stage, you should, if a broad, if you feel like a broad change is needed, you should kind of question it a bit to make sure you're not just changing a bunch of stuff at a point when it's not going to get a ton of testing. So across the span of testing, we've, we've kind of got this funnel of specificity. And then as far as the actual playtest process, it varies. We use a combination of internal testing where we just sit down, like Andrew and I have been testing over the last few weeks. You know, we just, I have a printed copy of the game. We just sit down, play a mission, talk about it, often make tweaks right there, play it again, see if it plays any differently with the tweaks we made. Uh, but we also send stuff out to external testers who are going to do a lot less. You know, if they get beaten by a scenario, they'll likely just write up a report. We have a, a big list of questions uh, that they kind of fill out, giving us the specifics, some data on their sessions. We can get a picture of it as well as all of their players' reactions. And so they usually won't try, try again unless we specifically prompt them to. Um, whereas internally, we're doing a little bit more of that rapid iteration. And so we kind of try to use these different types of testings for different things. Uh, that broad reaction is useful for kind of seeing how people who aren't us, who don't have prior knowledge of the system, might react to something, whereas our tests are very good for that kind of early iteration on like broad ideas. Um, but Ultimately, with a game this sprawling, our testing is maybe a little less systematic than you might think. We just kind of, you know, I, I understand from the structure of our campaign where the like, you know, over here, we're kind of treading on familiar ground. This is less risky. Here's a big mission we know everybody's going to play and it's got risky mechanics. Let's prioritize that. And we kind of spot test and design things until we've got kind of coverage on everything. Cool. I, I have a, actually, I have a question that I just thought of while you're talking about that. Um, has there ever been a me in your, with Earthborn or with an, any game you've worked on in the past, a mechanic that you're really attached to that just wasn't working in playtesting and you were forced to change it and you're like, no, I don't want to. Oh, so many times. <laughs> yeah, that would be really hard for me. I would, I would That's, struggle with that. The kill your darlings is like, uh, yeah. I, I don't actually know what the original source of that saying is um but dorothy parker i'm not sure who said that i'm gonna look it up it's a, yeah it's a fair it's a fairly like famous saying but like that's commonly thrown around uh with game designers because you get really attached mm -hmm. and like you can get attached to things from a design perspective it's not actually fun for the players but it's like <laughs> neat right yeah, you think yeah. as a designer yeah. that it's neat <laughs> yeah. and like um getting where, where's it from faulkner of course Oh, okay. That makes sense. Mm. So anyway, uh, figuring out killing your darlings is still something that, you know, I've been doing this for how, you know, many, many years. And, you know, even now I still 
fight myself on it and have to check myself and, you know, work against that perception. So it's something that I think a lot of people struggle with. Yeah, you, you have to stop yourself when you say it's the playtesters who are wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's hard because playtesting feedback is so subjective. And often testers will give you feedback that's like asking for specific changes. And a lot of playtesting is looking at that feedback, trying to work backwards to figure out what's actually the root cause of what they're asking for. And then figuring out if what they're asking for is actually the right fix, because often it isn't. You know, they might be asking, they might be saying that like, oh, you know, to, to use a very kind of like basic like combat example of, of something, right? It's like, oh, this boss is just has, you know, way too much HP, right? And you're like, well, you know, our like, like according to your stats, you were playing the exact number of rounds we wanted you to play. Oh, you know, like, and then we realize, oh, they're just dying long before they can kill this boss. Oh, you know, maybe the, it's actually the boss's damage, right? But like what they were kind of, and then, you know, mm. you can tweak that and have a much better experience. So there's a lot of like interpretation of this very subjective feedback that goes into this process. Interesting. Sorry, Andrew, I interrupted you. What were you going to Oh, say? I was just going to say, I think that's where this, like having a strong vision really helps uh, because if you are if you believe in the vision and stay true to the vision then it almost doesn't really matter what gets you there as long as you get there so you can feel more free to call ideas and concepts and stuff as long as it's all in service of getting to the vision and the vision isn't mm -hmm. compromised then it's not so big of a deal mm. but yeah there there's definitely stuff that like you know you might write or create that there's just no home for <laughs> You're like ah well I'll just we'll just this will just go over here for now. Mm -hmm. The the vision's a good comment too because when you're in these kind of you know you're reading some playtest feedback about a really zoomed in specific little topic, you lose all scope of everything else, right? And there's rarely a single right answer as to how you know it, despite what internet forums may uh, espouse, uh, there's <laughs> usually not a single right answer. There's usually lots of different <laughs> valid directions. And so you're sitting there like, which of these valid directions, A, B, or C, is the right way to go for this game? And if you have a vision, you know, when you're all zoomed in and you've lost perspective, you can look back at that vision and say, all right, of A, B, and C, what do I think is going to most achieve or stay true to our vision? And it kind of help can guide you when you're, you don't have that perspective. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, our next question kind of flows into this. It's from Jan. Do you feel impacted by the lack of feedback from players while creating the expansion? What does this question mean? I wasn't quite like, sure. Um, Do we I have like, lack of feedback? Like feedback uh, so, on the first game or on the core game? Oh, yeah. I see. Lack of feedback on the core game. Oh. I, I cut some context from this one because it was a little more than I wanted to read out. But yes, it, like he's, uh, they're asking like, is the lack of hearing player feedback on the core game, it being out in the wild, impacting, like making it more difficult to work on expansions? Hmm. I would say no. I, I mean, we this was often something we'd encounter with the competitive LCGs uh, at Fantasy Flight Games, where we'd have issues responding to how players were playing the game and what the meta was. Because we were so far ahead, we couldn't really react 
very well, and that was always challenging. Uh, so we'd have to try to use our play use our existing play testers to get a sense of where things might go, and then with the expansions adjust the card pool to address what they would think would happen. And in those cases, I think that was very chan that, that that was that was a big challenge that we had, and I thought those guys did a great job. Uh, <laughs> doing the best they could. Uh, we couldn't necessarily react to everything, but I think things went pretty well with a cooperative game. Um, I mm, I don't really know if it really matters as much, honestly. Like there could be some stuff where people are like, oh, I want to do more of X or Y or whatever, or like, oh, I like this mission, but I'd be afraid to listen to that too much. And then, you know, then you're just giving people what they're asking for, and then you kind of lose a little bit of uh, the, you lose a little bit on the creative side and on the audience side when you get something you're not exactly expecting, you know? I don't think you ever want them, unless there's like an error, I don't think you ever want a creator to just do exactly what you tell them to do. I I think it does impact us Uh but to Andrew's point, it's something we're very used to. This was true of like all printed products when we were at FFG, even yeah. board games. Most of the first expansions of board games were finished before the core set was ever in people's hands. Yes. Finished in development. And so it does impact us. To Andrew's point, it's not a competitive game, so we're not dealing with this competitive meta. But a meta does kind of develop. And like how the majority of players are using your cards informs what cards you do in the future and what mechanics you play with or how you tweak them. One benefit we have there is uh, one of the people designing our cards, uh, Davi, has, uh, was also one of our most prolific and experienced testers. And so he's just played a ton of the game. And so you know a lot of what we're seeing emerge from players getting their hands on the cards are the exact same things that Davi and some of his other testers saw during play. And so like, I think we, we've had it, we've, we haven't been like super shocked by any of the combos or anything that have, that, that have come out already. And that's thanks to having Davi help kind of drive some of the design. So, uh, we do do things to combat that just like, uh, you know, magic has the same problem because of print times. They have the future future league, which is basically they try to create a little mini meta of unreleased sets inside wizards so that they can kind of have like a test environment that's actually more up to date than the environment in the wide world. Uh, it's not always successful, right? Sometimes it misses, but you know, we've just, just got to find ways to kind of counteract that because it's just a truth of physical production and distribution. Yeah, I think the, the the one benefit that that Rangers has over other card games, cooperative card games, is that um, there's while it's not competitive, you you could say that games like uh, Marvel Champions have a competitive aspect to them, right? Because you're trying to defeat the villain as efficiently as possible, um, and you want to build your deck around defeating that villain uh just just as an example um and in rangers you really don't have that so it's really when you're building a deck it's more about building the deck that you want to play and if you find a combo in there that's like 
you say to yourself, wow, this just makes things too easy. Uh, if you enjoy playing that way, then go play that way. That's, that's totally fine. Like if you're mm-hmm. enjoying getting your combo out, like, ha I got my combo out, take that game. And you're just doing it. Yeah. Uh, that, and you have fun with that, then that's cool. But if it's something you play and you're like, eh, that kind of detracts for me, then you just don't run it. Just play something else. Um, and I think we do a lot in the setup of the game and bring and onboarding you into the experience to uh, bring you up to speed on that concept of when you build your deck, it's, it's not about trying to create the thing that's the most efficient or most perfect. It's about how you want to interact with the game. And if, I guess, if, if what you want is most efficient and perfect, uh, then you want to create some kind of like crazy combo that, that, you know, quote unquote breaks things and that's fun for you, then that's awesome. Have fun with that. But if you find that and people say, oh no, you got to play that deck. This is the infinite day deck. You got to play that. And you play it because we it's been explained to me how it might work. It just doesn't sound very fun. Um, no, no. It's you're dedicating most of your cards to keeping the infinite day going. You're not yeah, doing all the fun tricks. Exactly. So it's like, uh, you know, it it exists, but it's just it's not optimal from a fun experience. So there's really no reason to do it because you're not really uh, you know, you're not testing yourself against a scenario that's trying to pummel you into the ground. So I, I think that's a really good point. It kind of gets back to that like if you're on a there's a spectrum from a competitive card game to a tabletop role-playing game and just you know we're further towards that tabletop role-playing game than a lot of the other kind of games in this space right and that and so like yeah it's it's a lot more about the story you tell than like exactly optimizing your deck for the meta or whatever all righty that closes out our listener questions thanks everybody Great questions this week. We've talked about some great stuff so far. And it's just going to get better now that we're rolling into Andre's Indie Game Corner. Yeah. <laughs> New segment. Yeah. New segment. You need a little theme song for it. Yeah. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll throw one in. Um, I like this as my, my segment here. <laughs> the stuff we're into portion. Um, there, there's pressure to play a new little indie game every two weeks now, though, Andres. I like that, though. That's fun. Because I found a good one this this last two weeks that I put probably 15 hours into, which is a lot for me. Um, Dang. It's a game that I've had in the backlog for a long time. And I found it when I was researching what what's what should be the next Metroidvania that I play. And because uh, that's one of my favorite genres, the 2D platforming exploration game. Um, it's kind of a retro styled game called Astalon. Tears of the Earth, and it was developed, I think, by like a team in the Ukraine. It's a little indie game, um, but it was so fun. It scratched that like Metroidvania itch that I that I search for in the vein of like Hollow Knight or Blasphemous or Super Metroid. Really, more mostly exploration focused rather than combat. So you're these little, you're these three little. 8-bit looking characters. You're like a little party. Actually, Evan, I thought of you. I was going to tell you. You yeah. would love this game. I'm looking at pictures right now. It looks right up my alley. Yeah, because it looks like a dorky little 8-bit. <laughs> it's got, it's well, definitely I'm got a like dork. that Mega Man, <laughs> Mega Man yeah. Uh, yeah. or uh, 
um, Shovel Knight vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little like Mega Man looking sprites. Um, I don't know. It's just uh, you go into this tower and you're trying to find the bad guy or whatever. The story is pretty decent, um, but my favorite thing about those games is exploring and finding secret pathways and discovering a new party member that will allow you to get to that little ledge that you saw earlier on and then it's fun to to know you can go back and get to that unreachable place um yeah the little twist that this game has on the genre is that every time you die you you meet with this like grim reaper type dude that will sell you upgrades and, if, and i feel like it was leveled like really perfectly like you could grind if you wanted to you could like go off screen then go back and the the enemies would respawn just like keep mm-hmm. killing them i did that a few times but then like after 30 minutes i'm like what am i doing with my life just like running off screen <laughs> running back kill the guy run off run back you can kind of like you know think about other stuff as you're doing that mindlessly but um yeah it was really fun i highly highly recommend it if you like hollow knight and you're looking for another game like that like this is this is the one it's really cool. it was really fun and and cool. and sometimes with those games you get towards the end and it's just like okay there's a lot of retracing your steps because every time you die, you have to go to the start of this, this like tower or whatever. So you have to like start from the same spot every time you die, but but then you unlock little pathways and um, it's really satisfying then to, to find those secret pathways because you're like, oh cool, I don't have to, you know, uh, retrace my steps again anymore. Because there's um, three, it looks like three heroes you can play as. It makes me wonder if it's inspired by castlevania 3 which mm. was a nintendo game in which you you play as a belmont and then you get um allies that you can trade off you can oh, yeah. you can swap in and out different characters in your place cool like um alucard you plays him uh maybe it was showed up later in symphony of the night um yeah, yeah looks I, cool i, I want to go back and play those and each character it it felt like they all served a purpose like i didn't end up just you know using one i I switched off and there's there ends up being five characters i think anyway that's my indie game of the week i i really got absorbed in it and i also saw the barbie movie and it was fine it was fine (laughs) it was okay it was fun it was funny and it was also like they had a lot of messages that they wanted to deliver and it felt like just a non-stop monologue trying to explain to you the meaning of the movie you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. sounds great <laughs> did, did, did you did you get a did you get a picture of yourself inside the inside of the bar the, the full-size barbie box no i didn't see it oh i wouldn't have <laughs> I, I just i've just seen a lot I, i've just seen a lot of them on uh on online oh really people like they, they've got like you know the full-size barbie box at the movie theater and you go inside and oh yeah i didn't see it i i I would not recommend seeing the movie in the theater if you're at all interested. I like the director. That's why I saw it. I've, I've liked her other movies. Um, but this was like everything, everywhere, all at once. I felt suffered from the same problem where like the second half of the movie was just, here's another message we'd like to deliver through mm-hmm. like a boring monologue. And then it's not <laughs> over yet. Here's 10 more of those scenes. That's that's kind of where I stopped watching the movie. I, I really loved oh, really? that movie, but I got burnt out. It was yeah. super long. I have to I have to finish that still. Nah, that's fine. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, that's my my stuff. Fisher, 
What's your stuff? Ooh, Dave. Yeah, so oh, I think sorry. last time I mentioned that Sam and I tried agate hunting to uh, not much success. So uh, since, since last podcast, we went out with our jeweler who knows some places in the Twin Cities you can go. And uh, we went and uh, dug up some agates. Basically, we were on like the shore of uh, the Mississippi River. Uh, a little less gross here than it is... Uh, uh, south of, you know, <laughs> south into the country. So uh, we were kind of in the shallows and you dig and you go through the rocks there and, and uh, success. We found uh, a <laughs> couple really beautiful agates. Un unfortunately, I was like looking for them to bring them and show them. They look a le little less cool because right now they've, um, the jewelers cut them into slices and mm. so they're not like polished or anything yet. And so when they're not polished, you can't quite see all the colors and stuff. But I think Sam took them because I could not locate them. But uh, we got two that are uh, like about like golf ball sized and uh, one with these really both with we were looking for very kind of tight banding on them. And uh, we got two with pretty tight banding. One's very red and the other is very yellow. And so uh, we've been kind of like looking at the different slices we got out of them and trying to figure out where we want to have our stones kind of worked from. For the rings and stuff so cool. it's been pretty cool yeah uh, it's been fun it was it was a lot of fun are you sure your jeweler didn't say no dig right here this spot. <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> where sure. i planted them <laughs> no I, I, don't, I, I don't i don't think so uh, uh. um it's it's actually it's pretty wild you you find just a ton of cool stuff like there's a lot of quartz and there's a lot of stuff that's like technically agates like you you just pick up a handful of rocks out of the mississippi and there'll be agates in your hand, um, but most of them don't look cool, right? Like mm -hmm. a lot of them, it's like technically an agate where there's like the, the kind of red stuff suspended in quartz, but it doesn't have that like really tightly ringed banding that you associate like when you think of an agate. And so it's finding like the pretty ones that it's not... It, it's not that hard to find an agate. It's, it's hard to find a good looking agate. Mm -hmm. where, where did you go specifically? That sounds kind of fun. Um, well, uh, I, I, I was told not to, to share the spot our jeweler <laughs> showed us, uh, mm. it, but we just went to a park along the Mississippi and then like where you can go down in like into a rocky area of the shore. I can, okay. but I, I, I can't say the park what itself. Town? Huh? What town? We were in Minneapolis. Okay. That's good enough. I'll get them. But <laughs> I'm going to take, I'm going to take my jeweler down and we're going to look. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh, but yeah, so that, was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I actually played a couple games. I know the last couple podcasts I've said I haven't been playing video games. And I've mostly been playing games very late at night. I just kind of basically like wasn't going to bed. I was staying up a little later and playing a game during that time just to like, I don't know, unwind a bit. And uh, mine are not cool, obscure indie picks like Anders. But kind of. I was yes, playing they are. Well, I guess Vampire Survivor, everybody was talking about Vampire Survivor. True. Uh, um, so I, I checked that out because a lot of people had talked about it. It was cheap and seemed like kind of a fun diversionary game. It's kind of a like twin stick shooter. Well, it's like a mono stick shooter because it's like a, it's like a twin stick shooter, except your right stick does nothing because your, yeah. your character auto fires all their weapons. And so it's kind of got that roguelike cycle of building a combo, but all with these auto-fire weapons with infinite spawning enemies. And uh, it's pretty fun. There's some cool builds you can make with it. I, and they've I would, got enough for... 
Oh, go ahead, Anders. If you like that somewhat, I would highly recommend. I don't know how you'd say the name. S N K R X. Snake R X. S N K R X. Yeah, that's awesome. It's like it's like a to me. It's like a next level vampire survivor. Mm. Survivors. I liked I liked vampire survivors though too. Oh, cool. This this is a lot more like kind of abstract, like Geometry Wars oh, kind of. It's great. It's my aesthetic. favorite. I guess that this new genre that I think Vampire Survivors kind of started, what would you call it? Like an arena auto battler kind of thing? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I think SNKRX does it best. Okay. I, I'll, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's like two uh, The bucks. other game yeah. I just started is uh, Dave the Diver. Also Me too. one a lot of people have been talking about. I just started oh, that you? as well. It's it's fun. I mm-hmm. I'm amazed at how much there is. Right, you you kind of start and you're like, okay, I see the loop. You know, I I go and I dive. I get fish. I make sushi. And then it's like, oh, but here's another mechanic. Oh, and here's another mechanic. And oh, here's I another mechanic. I haven't gotten that far. You're gonna hire staff and you're gonna advertise and you're gonna like oh. enhance your recipes. And there's like an archaeologist and an ancient civilization and like you know, <laughs> it's it just like they just layer stuff on. And like it's so much bigger than it initially appears in a cool. pretty cool way. That's the next one I plan on getting way into. Maybe we can have a little combo indie game corner next time, you and me. <laughs> <laughs> well, with the pace I play games, it'll be like. Uh, you know, I've gotten a couple more days into Dave the Diver. Yeah, say it. that'll be me too. That'll be me too. But that's it for me. Cool. How about you, Evan? Um, yeah, I, I've been just playing one game, and I haven't <laughs> had a, too much time for it. Um, Final Fantasy sixteen. Yeah. Just another Final Fantasy game. That's crossing. <laughs> it seems my like path. a pretty epic one. Yeah. No, it's I. I what I'm, I meant like. That's me. Yeah. Final right. Fantasy guy. <laughs> no, no, it's it is fun. It's an enjoyable game. Um I'm I'm pretty invested in a lot of aspects of it and a lot of the things that initially turned me off aren't bothering me as much as I thought um it would. Like when I when it was first announced when they're first showing gameplay of it, it was immediately apparent to me that you're just a solo hero with allies that are at best like NPCs that just like just do random do bring very little to the battle other than just to like occasionally blast a bad guy with a huge spell that kind of like distracts you um mm-hmm. <laughs> but um that doesn't really bother me as much what i i guess i thought i was gonna be bugged by because i'm in my experience i really like having a multifaceted party and like catering each characters uh into a unique direction um because like one of the foundational things of the all these Final Fantasy games is you get to choose your character's sort of class, um, kind of like D and D, and um, you don't really get to do that with this one, but it's fine. Um, and I, I'm trying to figure out. I don't know how far I am into it, but I have enjoyed the broad storytelling aspect of it because it spans the main character's multiple stages of his of his life. Um, so you initially play as him as a young young man or maybe in a teen, I can't remember. And then something happens and it's like time jump and you're like 10 years, 13 years older. And then there's another time jump. And so it's it's cool because usually when you play one of these games, you're just like, like you're just a cool, attractive, androgynous male <laughs> yeah. who's like, who's like 18. But in this one, he's getting older, you know, and 
um, which is neat. He's still kind of like a reluctant, um, sullen kind of hero of the trope of that afflicts Cloud from Seven and mm-hmm. other characters from other games, um, which is, gets a little tiresome. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> it's not as bad uh, because he's he undertakes a lot of growth. And there's I was trying to explain to um, Navarro uh, last week. There's a funny moment. The game kind of introduces mechanics through storytelling and one of the core mechanics of like final fantasy games is the limit break and you unlock it through like this narrative moment where um you have to face some hard some hard truths for the character and it in that moment you're in the you're in combat fighting this big creature and it says press r3 and l3 to face the truth <laughs> and then, like, you do it and like it just you all of a sudden like your character screams and start you get new abilities and you start fighting even harder or whatever. But I just, I thought it was really funny. Other people reading on forums, other people was like, that moment was so badass and cool. And I just, I thought it kind of took, it took me out of it, but I thought it was really funny too. So is it the, the wording of that pay respects kind of, yeah, moment. yeah. Kind of felt like that. So, um, face the truth. So, yeah, I don't know when I'm going to finish it. Um, cause it's been going so slow. Uh, but I'm looking forward to wrapping it up. I'm trying not to, have the ending spoiled. I don't know if it's a big ending or not, but, um, uh, so other than that, I haven't really been doing a whole lot of gaming, um, because I, my life feels so structured at the moment with like childcare and work Mm -hmm. and trying to go to the gym and watering plants during a bad drought. And then feeling bad every time I see like these withered tomato leaves out the window. (laughs) Um, but it also like I feel like I thrive better in a in a structured environment. Like I just yeah. I I don't have time to just disappoint myself by squandering my time. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> so things are going good other than that. So awesome. yeah, yeah. I, I think generally finding that you have no time for gaming is can be a good sign that life is <laughs> life is okay <laughs> uh, for me anyway. All right, cool. Andrew Navarro, let's let's finish her off with you. Let's do it. I have not I have not been playing much of anything, um, but Baldur's Gate three comes out next week. So, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I, don't, I don't have time for that right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I don't really have time either, but that's the only thing I'm I'm excited about. Uh, I am very excited. So I'll play that when it comes I'll probably out. Probably play that so, too. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll probably have something have something to report then. So I've played it at least over the weekend. Mm-hmm. for our next podcast yeah. um, but uh in other dungeons and dragons news i finally watched dungeons and dragons honor among thieves oh yeah that's a new movie yeah yep with chris yep. pine yeah yeah uh did you guys did you guys watch that i watched it yeah yeah sam and i streamed it a little bit ago yeah i thought i thought it was pretty decent like it 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 tries to walk a really fine line between uh like high fantasy drama and self-awareness of the fact that it's dungeons and dragons like the marvel the marvel style no it's like there are times when it feels like the movie is just people sitting around the table playing a role-playing game yeah Hmm. uh i think in those moments it's kind of when it's at its best yeah, I was trying to strike that tone of irreverence that you get from a group 
playing D and D, right? Yeah. Like, and then like it's like this serious setting, and then you kind of have these very silly plans. Yeah. That, yeah. Exactly. Does that tie it in to like the world? Like, is there are there like humans playing these characters? No. Else? Oh, okay. No. Yeah, that would have been. I'm sure that was an idea that was probably scrapped pretty early on. In the, yeah, uh, yeah. I thought that maybe there's process. there's gonna be a post credit scene where everyone's like, "Oh, good session, guys," and they're at mm-hmm. like a table. <laughs> that that didn't happen. Great. So. Yeah, oh, that would have been really good. Yeah, that would have been awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. There are lots lots of stuff in there for Dungeons and Dragons veterans, uh, and the, even had the characters from the cart old cartoon in there yeah kind of a throwaway capacity um it was pretty fun all in all you got to see some some of your favorite classes doing their class things uh um michelle rodriguez as the barbarian was pretty good yeah i will say casting i don't think chris pine was enough of a bard for me he wasn't singing a lot during battles and empowering his allies He's just kind of goofing off. Yeah. Well, he did just, he was more of a distraction than anything else. It's like, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it was pretty fun. But the uh, to watch it, I got a uh, one week um, free trial of Paramount Plus. Oh. So, yeah, one of the watch all the Star one of the, Trek. the lower tier streaming services. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, uh, Paramount Plus fans. <laughs> well, all Star Trek is on there. Yeah, yeah, it's the only way to watch TNG now. Yeah, listen, I love I love Star Trek, but I stand by my assessment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also on there are the first two seasons of Twin Peaks. Uh, yes. So uh, I watched slash half watched had it on while i was doing other things the uh, first 16 episodes of of twin peaks nice um, which i've seen a couple times before but uh that was really fun to watch that again that is a very interesting show yeah um, it'll be wild if you transition right into the return after you finish those two seasons yeah that's it's, it's kind of what i want to do so the uh uh, a podcast that I listen to, um, the Next Lander Watchcast, which I think I've mentioned before, they're currently watching the first season of Twin Peaks, which has kind of got me thinking, like, oh man, I should go back and watch that. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's really it's a really cool show. Um, it's very creative and still never quite been anything like it. I don't think. Uh, I don't, have you all have you all seen it? Mm-hmm. yeah but it, yeah. it's been a long time since i watched it yeah i forgot how intense some of the scenes in there are uh yeah like oh, for like a primetime show yeah. yeah man with ray wise his scenes yeah ray wise is oh my god he's so good i know Kyle McLaughlin is amazing yeah. in it also oh yeah uh what what channel did it come out on nbc i think nbc originally? i think abc Really, that that show is, pri- was was in- prime time ABC, huh? I think so. Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, it was opposite Cheers at first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ABC, ABC confirmed. Uh, Man, just the well, music. Um, just thinking Fire about Rock that with me was music intense too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I only yeah. saw Fire Rock with me once. I'd never need to see it again. It's pretty yeah, much I what I feel about <laughs> all David Lynch films. Like, watch them once, you're it's you're good. So you're heavy good. for me. I. Yeah. I I can't watch those more than once at all because it just puts me in a mood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. 
Yeah, the the so I, yeah, I just finished up like the conclusion of the watched it through the conclusion of the Laura Palmer murder mystery, mm. um, and uh, the last few episodes I just uh, I stayed up I stayed up late because I was like I think this is the episode when it ends, and then there was like two <laughs> more after, so it's just and then it <laughs> it continues on for like double that for that season. Uh, or? Yeah, it uh, goes it it wraps up in episode eight of season two mm. um so and i think season two has like 22 episodes <laughs> so it say, has a lot of like weird filler not really great stuff after that um, until the, but then until, the last two episodes are pretty yeah, awesome yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna I read a thing it. that said that like he had originally not wanted to reveal the the murderer yeah in that that early and he wanted to save it for later but the network actually wanted him to reveal it early yeah. and then ratings tanked after uh it's revealed yep yeah of course uh but then we got the awesome middle finger to the network that is the last two episodes of that season (laughs) which are pretty amazing that those were on network tv Mm. (laughs) Um, so yeah so probably watch those two and then uh then yeah i I think i'm gonna check out finally check out the return which i've heard so many good things about oh you've never watched it i have never watched it oh cool i want to rewatch it and i I, we watched it like last year so yeah, it's, yeah, it's good that you. Here. It's good that you're watching them ahead of time because there's there was a lot that I was like, I had a friend who's like an encyclopedia for the show sitting next to me, and I had oh like, nice. I was like, what what is happening? Who is this? So there's a lot of that. So you might you might be uh, well equipped now. Yeah, yeah. That's what I, that's what I've been doing in my in my spare time. Nice. Well, great show, you guys. Um, nice talking to you, and. Uh, is there anything else you want to you wanna get in here before we go? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Send us those great questions. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.